1: Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy.
0: We are the Feeling It Podcast. What do we say? What's a human? This week, you have
2: to say what we're talking about this week. Right.
0: Okay. Thank you. Okay. Hello again. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you with us this week. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about uh, what we're feeling, as always, and then a little bit of news, and then moving into our main uh, topic talking about what piece of pop culture we've come to like more as we've gotten older. Um, So with respect to that, uh, let's go around and introduce ourselves uh, and give a little bit of background by saying, what was the most above PG-13 thing that you saw before you were 13?
1: So R.
2: What shouldn't we have seen, but we got to see anyway?
0: Right. Like when you look back, you're like, it's shocking that I was able to see that as a child. (laughs) Sure. Like, it doesn't have to be... It could have been just PG-13, but in retrospect, surprising. Definitely
2: inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm Sandra Omstutz. I am a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And when I was very young, like before kindergarten, I was raised... Not raised. I was like... I got to stay at my grandmother's house while my parents worked. And... She uh l- just left me to myself with a bunch of VHSs, uh, mostly were rom-coms, so I definitely saw Pretty Woman at a very young age. Oh man.
1: <laughs> Which has skewed your entire view of your life.
2: So fucking
1: <laughs> That seems like
0: it's not that hard like intense until you actually think about it. I mean,
2: there is an attempted rape scene in it, so it's right. it's <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> not great for a child. Nope. Yeah. Um, I am Lucas Wright. I'm a designer from the Bay Area. And my mom listens to this podcast. So she's going to find out that when I was nine <laughs> at a friend's house, I watched The Godfather and it <laughs> scarred me for life. Whoa. No.
2: <laughs> That's an intense yep. one. Yep. <laughs> oh,
0: man. All right. Well, I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director from Nashville, Tennessee. And the thing that shocked me the most whenever I was young was seeing Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. It was only rated PG, but there's a scene in it where someone rips out another person's still beating heart. And it was horrifying.
1: Even as an adult, that's uncomfortable to watch. (laughs) I'm sure.
2: Uh, Speaking of movies that are rated way below what they should, Grease is rated (laughs) G. And they continued really? to show it at my middle school because it was a G-rated movie when it G? should not be a G-rated movie.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh. It's rated G. That's weird.
2: Yeah. You know, considering the whole teen pregnancy scare aspect of I it. I know, right?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right, well... Uh, let's move into what we're feeling this week. Uh, Sandra, do you want to start us off?
2: Sure. So I am feeling a new TV series that you can find on Amazon Prime called Fleabag. It's um, a originally a British series that Amazon Prime has picked up. And it is created, written, and starred um, – or written by and stars um, an actress named Phoebe Waller-Bridge, a comedian and writer and actress – She's many things. Um, (laughs) And I had never really heard of her before. I had just heard about this dark um, comedy that was coming this fall called Fleabag. And I I was very intrigued by it. And I fell in love with this show. Um, One thing that's really great about this show is that it's... Because it's British, it's only six episodes, and they're half-hour episodes. So I was able to binge this entire series in one evening. Um, it took me about three hours, and I didn't even feel gross afterwards because, you know, it, it was just like <laughs> as if I had watched a long movie. Um yeah, it's
1: like shorter than O.J. Simpson. Oh, <laughs>
2: absolutely. So um, that is one thing that I can – why, one reason why I would highly recommend it to people is because it's so easy to consume. You don't have to, like, clear out a week of TV watching to get this show down. Um, but the main reason that I would recommend it is because it is such a funny and dark, but not in a depressing way, um, story. It focuses on this young woman who has... A very um, blunt sense of humor. She talks about sex very frankly and sometimes very grossly, but in a way that I really appreciate. And this show explores her relationships with her friends and family members. And um, she has a sister that is equally as like dark as she is, but in a completely different way. She has an evil stepmother that causes so much great tension in, like, a very sweet packaging. And most importantly, this show really explores what grief and guilt looks like in someone. Um, the main character has, like, lost a loved one, and it shows how the gr- that kind of grief permeates all your other aspects of life, whether it be dating or career troubles or family troubles, um... I was so charmed by this show and it's a show that um, is not charming because it's sweet. It's charming because of how tart it is. If you're a fan of You're the Worst, I would h- you will definitely Absolutely.
1: love this show. Yeah, Lucas,
2: well, so you saw Well, that's all of- you had to say. What, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm what sold were some <laughs> of your reactions to it?
1: Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of You're the Worst if you've seen that. I, I don't think it's as funny as You're the Worst as in the classic, you know set up jokes um but i think it's just as moving and sometimes even even more i guess heart-wrenching <laughs> than you're the worst um but i f- for me it's all just the character building and the character um i guess interactions between these these people are amazing. Olivia Coleman plays the the uh, the stepmom you're talking about, right? And she's she's phenomenal throughout this.
2: Oh, she's so good at this. Yeah. Um. You know, you're the worst. Is so much fun because sometimes the characters in it feel uh, like kind of wacky. You know, like you you mm-hmm. sometimes struggle to be like no one would be that awful. You know.
1: Right. And exactly.
2: On this, <laughs> it'd have show, to be the worst. <laughs> right. <laughs> on this show these people are awful in ways that i be, are so believable um it feels like a very honest look at terrible people um and that honesty is really really refreshing i another thing i was going to say
1: i normally don't like those types of shows where sure. people are like normally honest or normally mean like when right. like terrible You're people worst, in the in the in your the worst they're so they're just characters and you can tell they're just characters of these people who are like, it's something no one would ever say in real life. And it's hilarious. Whereas in this, it is real things that people would actually say. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see more of, I think the self-destructive nature of these people than in you are the worst. Yeah. Interesting.
2: I, I would, I would definitely agree. And Lucas, you know, you said how you don't normally like those shows. I don't think I yes. do either. I'm not a big fan of <laughs> anti heroes, but yeah, I feel like, They're showing bad behavior on a small scale. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't Breaking Bad where people are dying because they're being the worst to each other.
1: Yeah. This is,
2: (laughs) you know... A, a stepmother saying something so biting to to mm-hmm. like her stepdaughter, and yeah. that feels so like raw and hurtful. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, no one's like slitting each other's throats. It's it's hurtful right. in the ways that you recognize at your family dinners.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I also have a lot of I also have a hard time with. Main characters who themselves are self-destructive and just don't just don't have their shit together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that um, that's what t-
0: frustrates me so much about Silicon Valley. I'm like, are you ever gonna make it, man? Mm-hmm.
1: Right, like- <laughs> right. And that, and I, I, I think it t- it was hard for me to get through the first four episodes of the show because of that, mm. um, and because I feel like I, I feel like when it's a group of people that are kind of falling apart together. That works more for me than when it's an individual. Sure. And, and and again, that is something just on on me that that I just have an issue with. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the quality of the story or anything like that. But for me, that's just hard to get through. Um. But I I I think I think the sixth episode is of this show. The the finale um is one of the greatest things that's oh. happened this year on television for sure. Wow. And-
2: one of the things that I love about this show is that when that six episode ends, you really do feel like a, a complete story has been told. Yeah. And there's no if if we only ever got this one season of this show, I would feel incredibly satisfied with it,
1: even though I hope that's it. I, I really do sure. hope that it's just I mean, obviously, I wanted to do more stuff and make more things. But right. It just because it is such a complete story. I kind of want that to be. Just the end, yeah, guys.
0: I, this is one of the most convincing cases you've ever made for a show.
2: Okay. I just
1: want you to know, six episodes. It's short. It's great. And do you do? It's, it's is, British. <laughs>
2: yeah, Inside I know. Baseball, it's baseball, like... but Lawson, I can I can guarantee you, Lindsay would like this show. It's so uh, awesome.
0: yeah Yeah, it's not from everything you said i think she'd love it too
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i do want to point out my favorite episode of this season was episode four um of course it was (laughs) (laughs) um i it it, episode four has what is a not subtle at all metaphor for the way men and women are like taught to handle their emotions Mm -hmm. and and like those are different Oh, <laughs> and it's like I said, it's a very blatant metaphor, mm-hmm. but I but it also made me feel so much. And I thought it was so funny the way it was handled. Um I think episode four is like a big turning point for the show. Um, agree. Where That's, that's when I first started. To, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's definitely when I first started to actually get into it and feel like i could (laughs) enjoy it which out of six episodes it feels weird but it definitely takes it takes the first three to set up this story and to go through kind of all of this so i don't i don't I, i don't wish i had skipped the first three at all so
2: right i also want to point out that this show has um a storytelling device where the main character is uh will sometimes speak directly to the audience she'll look into the camera and, um, comment on what's happening as and talking directly into the audience. Or sometimes she doesn't even say anything. She just gives the audience kind of a look directly into the camera that. It's says, a like a gym.
1: Yeah. Like most of the time. Yeah. Right. Is 99% of uh, it's people. kind
2: of a little <laughs> bit of a mixture of gym from the office meets like, um, house of cards where, yeah. you know, they're telling yep. stories directly to the camera and, mm-hmm. I, I wanna warn people about that because I think if you start this show and that device just starts happening, it can be kind of off putting if you don't know that it's mm-hmm. coming. And yeah. I wanna say that this is one of my favorite aspects of the show. I think she nails some amazing things that made me laugh so incredibly hard by with just yeah. facial expressions to the camera. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So definitely. Another uh, another production thing that it does is I think it utilizes flashbacks in the best way I've ever seen. Sure. Um, I feel like a lot of flashbacks in movies and TV shows end up being a scene in itself where a lot of times her flashbacks are like, two seconds long one Mm -hmm. second just just to give you a context of what she's thinking or you know and and not flashbacks to anything we've seen before sometimes just just a little glimpse to tell you where where her mind's at which is just beautiful
2: or just a character moment you know yeah
1: absolutely yeah
2: yeah i like i said this show is getting compared to um girls a lot which i Mm -hmm. understand why it's about a 20 something woman who is frank about sex and um and kind of, like, not someone that you admire. <laughs> and Right. Uh, but I would say that this show is a, has a much more singular voice. And it's much more heartbreaking. In a way that, like I said, I keep saying how dark and, and emotional and heartbreaking this show is. <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't leave this show depressed in the slightest. When I no. finished no. watching it, I felt so i just thought it was so funny and lovely um so don't go in don't put this off thinking like oh <laughs> i can't handle another show about an awful people like not making it work trust me you'll want yep. to tune into this one
0: so exciting yeah all right so. that was an excellent pick thank you so much sandra um Lucas, is your pick also fleabag or what did you have something different?
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Uh my pick is is uh the new HBO TV show Westworld. Um the pilot premiered this week. So have you have you guys heard about Westworld at all?
0: The press for it sounded amazing. I mean, all the people who are involved in it are incredible. It just I It is yeah.
1: the most it is the biggest cast of amazing people that I have seen. HBO put so much money behind this show. The it's based off of a 1973 74 movie by Michael Crichton, um, which is ba- it's basically the setup is in the near future. Um, they build basically Jurassic Park, but it's the Old West. And instead of dinosaurs, it's robots,
2: robots that look like humans,
1: robots that look like humans. I love
0: every Michael Crichton premise. (laughs) I love Jurassic Park. I love timeline. I love this. I'm into it.
1: Yeah. So that's 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 the premise. And so it's really this is it. HBO wants it to be the new Game of Thrones. They're they're trying so hard to make the new Game of Thrones. And I think I I think it could be. But I think it's going to take it some time. It starts it off, so Game of Thrones, I'm gonna talk a lot about Game of Thrones here in comparison, but Game of Thrones is a huge sprawling show that has so many characters and is just intense, but it started off in season one with two locations and maybe five main characters, uh, and Westworld just jumps you right in, just introduces you to everybody, introduces you to all the locations, Um, and if you can keep up and if you like that sort of thing, You'll stick with it, and I think you'll love it. Um, but if that's not really your cup of tea, then good luck. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it also has some issues with just the way... I'm kind of the same thing as Game of Thrones, but just the way it portrays its female characters, the way it portrays sex and violence um, isn't great. I think it, I think a lot of people have said it's going to be... The show is going to be a commentary on its how it portrays women and sex and violence. And... I think it could be, but it just hasn't really shown that uh-huh. yet. It's a lot of it's a lot of gratuitous stuff that isn't really needed and portrays people in kind of a bad light. Uh, but we'll we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, Lindsay and I, anytime something like that is happening on uh, when we're watching HBO go, we'll look at each other and be like, "Oh wait, what network is this on again?" Yeah, just like because yeah. all that feels like is someone being like, "Oh, we're on HBO. We should do the boobs."
1: Exactly. It's kind. Of, yeah, it's one of those. Things that hbo loves to do is like hey this is our network we don't we don't censor anything so do whatever you want so, <laughs> just um, go for it but but i think it also there are times where it does use nudity and violence in a very intentional way to portray i mean most of the characters are robots um, and they do a fantastic job of acting like people obviously or uh, acting like but robots but or acting like robots they did they they, which side of the fourth
0: wall are you on
1: (laughs) they did a great job of making these people obviously lifelike but also there are some tweaks that they've done with some special effects with their movements and their um their vocals to make it to make it really interesting i'm not going to spoil anything but um it's an interesting look and it's it's the sh- it's show run by Jonathan Nolan and his wife. Um what is her name? Lisa Joy. That's it. Um so it's got the Nolan family, it's produced by JJ Abrams, so lots of lots of big money behind it.
2: So I also watched this Lucas and mm-hmm. I am, I was so excited for it going in because the concept of like artificial intelligence I think is so fascinating especially in fiction i love Mm -hmm. exploring stories where humans create consciousness and have to reckon with that and the way we treat our creations um and so i i love the idea of this i found the pilot so interesting i can't decide if i'm sticking Mm -hmm. around or not very much (laughs) for the same like game of thrones reasons is mm-hmm. that I have sort of an informal boycott against um, TV shows where women are just raped like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. o- o- multiple times and without any yep. consideration. Um, yep. I just feel like I've seen enough rape in media to last me a lifetime, and I mm-hmm. don't need any more of it. And so that is my biggest issue with with Westworld at the moment is that I am really really intrigued by what they could do with this story but i also know like that there are some limits that i have and and it's a matter of seeing how far they decide to push things that is gonna determine whether i stick around or not
1: yeah yeah i definitely feel like rape is something that they will address in this show due to the fact that it's robots. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that it'll definitely be something that, that comes up in the conversation. But whether it's in a good way or not, will be will sure. be seen. Yeah. So yeah. but yeah, I would if 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 this show is on the right track, I will say check it out. I mean, it's got it's got Anthony Hopkins, Ed Harris, um, Jeffrey Wright. Who else is in it?
2: James Marsden.
1: Shame. Yeah, James Marsden. Um, uh,
2: what's the girl's name? Is it?
1: Uh Rachel is it Evan Evan Rachel Wood, yes, that's right.
2: Yes. Um Dandy um, Newton. uh um, Yeah.
1: Rodrigo Cent, Centa What is is that it? I don't uh, know. He's the Brazilian guy from Love Actually. What's his name? Um Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> I forget. That's who that yeah. was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's yeah, it's got a lot of really good people in it. Yeah, not yeah. Yeah, the Brazilian guy, Colin Firth. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of really good actors in it and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Awesome. Me too.
2: That's
0: very exciting. Uh, I feel like my queue is filling up because of you guys. So um, thank <laughs> it you it for those. Um, all right. So uh, for my pick this week, uh, just to be honest, it's kind of, I tried to find something to unify how amazing of a week this has been for me, pop culture wise. Um, And I'll get to some of it a little bit later But in news But the week really started off With going to see Kanye West In concert um, And his St. Pablo tour uh, Here in Nashville And it was completely incredible We had cheap Very high up seats But that meant that nobody there felt like they were too cool And everyone was dancing And it was like an amazing huge mosh party Um, And uh, it was just a really, really good concert, um, and it got me back into listening to um, you know, some of Kanye's older stuff, which I hadn't been listening to for a minute, and just a lot of, I don't know, uh, despite... I was glad that I found uh, the St. Pablo song on that had been added to his album on Spotify and everything recently, but other than that, I hadn't really been listening to uh, Kanye much. So... That was a really fun concert. It was incredible, and I had some friends that were in the pit, and from what their experience sounds like, it seems like I should really recommend more than anything else. If you're in a city where this tour is coming through and you are even kind of interested, spend the money, get in the pit. It's apparently a spiritual experience. So, And it was amazing <laughs> in the stands already. Um, but, yeah, completely breathtaking. If I tried to get into it uh, with specifics, I would not do it justice. So I recommend reading uh, in-depth think pieces from well-established publications and or going yourself. Um, But the thing that has kind of kept this week and kind of kept this vibe moving in the right direction lately, so my official pick, is um, my new iPhone wallpaper, which is a meme that I think a lot of people have seen floating around Twitter and stuff, which is uh, Kanye at his... uh, Life of Pablo listening party back whenever he premiered his Yeezy clothing line in Madison Square Garden, lifting up his hands in front of his laptop, wearing his I Feel Like Pablo shirt, and his an- his hands are perfectly positioned to where every time you get a notification on your phone, it's like Yeezy's just lifting it up for you. Just holding it there for you to read it, take a look, and it's really great. My old wallpaper was getting old, and this is perfect. And every time I get a new notification, Yeezy's just holding it up there for me. Um, and uh, it was very. The, that concert ended with uh, Ultra Light Beam, which is one of my favorite songs he's ever written. And that image really elicits Ultra Light Beam uh, for me visually. And so it was just like, it's a really positive vibe and a really fun, random thing. So. Uh, we will tweet out that picture if you guys are interested in having a similar background. Um, it just it brightens up your day anytime you get a text. So
1: as as someone who has everything muted for Kanye on Twitter, I have not seen that image. So. <laughs> oh, good job! <laughs> that is an appropriate filter. Have you not heard about the uh, jewel heist news? Then I have not heard about the jewel heist news. What oh, happened?
0: Oh my goodness, Lucas. So, uh... During a... Kanye's concert in New York yesterday night... Paris. He stopped... in. Uh, it was in Paris? Yeah. Okay. I thought he flew to Paris. Uh, anyway, um... He stopped halfway through a song because a stagehand came on... Came on to let him know that his wife had been robbed at gunpoint. Um... And it sounds like something straight out of a movie. Uh... The... Robbers were uh, dressed as policemen. They found this uh, hotel in Paris without an address that celebrities frequent um, because of how secure it is. And they got in, dressed as policemen, disarmed the guards, put on ski masks, and then robbed $10 million worth of jewelry from Kim Kardashian West and then, like, bound her and left. And so she's totally fine physically, but of course mentally and emotionally like a wreck and as soon as Kanye heard that like even a little bit of some, he, I don't know exactly what he heard but he just like stopped halfway through a set and was like I gotta go family emergency and cut his set like 45 minutes short um, to go straight to be with her so it was just like man for how uh, much you can get in your own way sometimes I'm really glad you have that priority straight and it's just like it's crazy that a Parisian jewel heist actually happened. Like it didn't seem all the headlines seemed completely fake. But <laughs> anyway, that is what you missed my on Twitter. Filters
1: all worked. Wow. Jeez. <laughs>
0: yeah, isn't that crazy?
1: That is insane.
0: All right. Well, um that was not the news that we had slated to talk about today. <laughs> um that's just a little bonus, but um the news that we wanted to at least touch on was Um, Sandra and I along with several other of our friends uh, were in attendance at Beyonce's Formation World Tour event uh, last night filling up Nissan Stadium where the Tennessee Titans usually play here in Nashville Um, and it was completely incredible it was scheduled um, for a week or two after her album release it was supposed to be a concert back in May and was rescheduled for October and the weather could not have been better it was just really conducive for a perfect evening of uh, enjoying music and spectacle and everything that Beyonce brings. So we wanted to touch on it for a minute. And uh, Sandra, if you want to start it off.
2: Yeah, I just uh, wanted to quickly mention this because I feel guilty because it's not like we can recommend people to go see this because her U.S the U S portion of this tour is ending now. So this isn't as much of a recommendation as it is just like a statement about how I think Beyonce is just the greatest living entertainer, the (laughs) entertainer that we have. Um, I can't imagine ever seeing a live performance that is that big and full of like precision and talent uh, there's nothing more that I enjoy than spectacle. And Beyonce is just the most purposeful, meaningful spectacle. Um, Everything about that show was big and loud and amazing, um, but it also made me cry and I was in awe the whole time. She has, as many people have probably already seen this huge cube that's like seven stories tall that moves and splits in halves and and has different sides that show different video footage that's happening live and that's also been pre-recorded. And um, it was just this stunning experience that um, won't leave me for a long time.
0: Yeah, it was completely spellbinding for us as well. We uh, had the misfortune of being right in front of people who had gotten their tickets for a lot less than we did and spent the rest of that money on $12 margaritas. So all the drunk people (laughs) behind us were talking through uh, every one of Beyonce's most heartfelt ballads which was very hard. Um, It was the only time in recent memory I can remember that I've actually turned around to ask someone to uh, please talk more quietly because they were being distracting. Um, But other than that, it was such a captivating incredible show and there were just things that I I I didn't see them coming I didn't the screen that was so huge whenever it first lit up it was completely awe-inspiring and then when it started to move I legitimately like I lost my breath. Like I couldn't, my, my throat, my stomach was in my throat and that might've been something that if I had looked it up beforehand, I would have known that was going to happen, but I'm so glad that I didn't know because it would just seem like, oh my God, this is happening. This is insane. And her, her choreography, her dancers, her outfits, her voice, her voice was even better in person. She was even more beautiful in person, which is frustrating. Like I understand that if you want to meet, if you want to see like an airbrush photography, photo of Beyonce, that she's going to look Flawless, but, like, oh, no, you're being shown on this Jumbotron and you just look perfect. Like, that's fine. It just proves that you're human and that makes it hard for everyone else. Um, But it's – yeah, it was completely incredible.
2: I want to point out one – like, a really cool thing that our friend Carter noticed about the huge cube screen is that because it's so big, when the show started – It just started with the cube lighting up, so before anyone came out on stage. And it was, like, bright white, and then it would turn red. And, of course, because the show is starting, just thousands of people get their cell phones out to start filming. And what we were at the very top of the stadium, so from our point of view... Not only did this cube change colors, but we got to see a sea of cell phone screens change colors with the cube as people were filming. And that was a really, really cool visual effect. Um, So it was just even like small things like that. I don't know if that, that was a purposeful designed element of the show or if that was just something we noticed, but... Down to small things like that, our breaths, like our, my breath was constantly being taken away from me.
0: Yeah. It was uh, in close to some of her closing numbers. Um, there's this forward stage uh, that there's like a walkway and then there's a little bit stage closer to the audience. And um, she'd gone up there several times to do different numbers and then gone back to the main stage where the big cube was back and forth. And with some of her closing numbers, they walked up there and as they walked on you could tell like oh somehow none of us noticed but somehow now there's about six inches of water on this platform and so every single dance move um every single step everything uh kinetic and fluent uh fluid about their movement and their dancing was given this extra motion this extra significance And it was so incredible and it takes so much confidence to be like, we're not going to slip and we're going to, you know, move through this extra resistance and do all of this. And I really couldn't help but think like, oh, I really hope they do an HBO special on this tour like they did um, on the run. Like, I want to see that stuff in slow-mo. That's going to look so cool. Yeah.
2: Very much like they did um, for her performance at the Grammys with Kendrick Lamar, how she had water on the stage for that show. Right. To see that in like a tour format was really cool.
0: Yep, and it's just it's a really cool thing. Personally, I really wanted to see Kanye West perform and Beyonce perform before I died. So, um, so Lost this is the end for me. Now. I'm done. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna die. <laughs> uh, but no, it was really great to see both of them and to, uh, you know, not spend an arm and a leg to be able to see them. But one of the things that I know now is that the next time that I go to see them, I really want to save up and spend the money because as much as I was enjoying everything, um, a part of me was always wondering like, what if I was there? Like pointing down at the bottom of the, of the stadium. So, uh, great experiences. Um, you know, acts like Kanye and acts like Beyonce work really hard to make it to where there's not a bad seat in the house. Um, but I I can't imagine what it would have been like to be up close. So, yeah, just an incredible evening
1: all around. Well, as hard as I try to not make fun of the things that you guys like, <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of the things that you guys like. Oh, Moving on! Oh, psych. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. It wasn't as good as uh, comics. I'm trying to say something that you like. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Name one thing that I like. You can't. <laughs> I can't. You're, you're just doing everything. Game of Thrones.
2: Lawson. We don't like Game of Thrones. He does. Game of Thrones. Fleabag.
0: Westworld.
1: You got me. So you
0: got me. His rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama. Mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Sauce in my bags I And we could talk all night about Beyonce and still not do it justice and uh, just incite more of Lucas's contrarian urge. So rather than that, we'll move into our main topic for tonight, uh, which is what piece of pop culture uh, you've come to like more as you've gotten older. Um, so there are a couple different ways that this question could be interpreted. I'm interested to hear how you guys took it. Sandra, do you want to start off?
2: Sure. This was a really hard question for me to answer, actually. I kept, I was coming up with blanks when I was trying to figure out what it would be. I would have an easier time answering the reverse, which is there are plenty (laughs) of movies that I have shed or like different pieces of entertainment that as I've gotten older, I've been like, I'm over (laughs) male-dominated storytelling. I'm over like this sexist (laughs) movie, you know. So it was hard to find something that I've liked as I've gotten o- more as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. The one example that did has always come to mind is um, the movie, The Family Stone. I uh-huh. mm-hmm. it being a rom-com, I popped it in because I was like, this is my genre. I'm going to love it. I think I watched it in high school, um, maybe first year of college. I'm not quite sure. And I didn't like that movie very much when I saw it. And it's for very sad and embarrassing reasons. I <laughs> was a very conservative Christian growing up. And I was also kind of like a square, like a, like an awful nerd. And so in that movie, there's a gay couple as part of the family that's featured in the film. And there's also family members that like enjoy marijuana in the film and both of those things just left me with such a distaste and so <laughs> I watched that movie in high school and was just like "Ugh, this is not what I expected when I wanted to pop in a nice Christmas rom-com
0: you and, had the word family in the title how dare you
2: right so I was just very disappointed with it and then I revisited it again after college and fell in love with that movie I love love the family stone it's my favorite christmas movie i watch it every single year at christmas i cry every single time i think the characters are so funny and i love how close this family is with each other and how awful they are to this new person that's um it, it, it's something that I didn't enjoy when I first watched it. I was like, fuck, they're being mean to my protagonist. And, and <laughs> now I understand about how they are being awful to her and they, but they, you know, correct their ways. And it becomes this very heartwarming family tale that I highly, highly recommend to everyone. So that's my biggest example of that.
0: Yeah. I think that brings up a really good kind of whole, uh,
2: Oh, sorry, I oh, just want the- to say that uh, obviously all of the marijuana and gay couples are totally okay by me now. I've grown up, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean that's what I was getting at. There's this whole area of movies like this where you have a certain worldview whenever you're younger that uh hopefully expands as you grow older and Makes movies that seemed completely distasteful earlier a lot more palatable, and you can get past things and be able to see the good story that's within it. I mean, sometimes movies that have things that you are you object to as a uh, square still just aren't good movies, but um, there's a lot of movies that you can miss out on. I remember um, seeing V for Vendetta when I was younger, and that being one of the first movies where it kind of it showed a very positive portrayal of a gay couple, of a lesbian couple. And it was really challenging to me whenever I was in this very uh, narrow uh, realm of conservatism in the early 2000s. And I was like, what? But that doesn't. And yeah, and it became one of my favorite movies and still is one of my favorite movies. And now it's just like such a beautiful part of such a great movie. But um and very sad in that context. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Lucas, um, <laughs> did you have uh, anything that uh, came to your mind immediately?
1: Um, not immediately. That I was kind of like Sandra. I just wanted to kind of go over like and try to figure out exactly how I wanted to think about this question. But um, at first I thought about like children's movies and like what exactly what – chi- what children's movie has aged the worst or – Aged the best, or has a completely different view on, you know, something mm-hmm. that I that I thought about when I was younger. But I I, I honestly kept coming back to, uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer, and this is by no means an old movie at all. But it's one that I had a completely different perspective on than when I I, I now have a completely different perspective on than when I watched it the first time. Yes. But uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a movie about summer, a woman who doesn't believe in true love, and Tom, a man who falls in love with her. Um, and this is a movie that completely plays on our expectations, even though we're told right from the beginning that it's not a love story. It plays right into our expectations of how a romantic comedy should go. We get their conversations at the beginning of why she doesn't believe in love. And we're completely on Tom's side is um, and ready to watch him try to win her over. Uh, and when they eventually break up it, we feel betrayed kind of like Tom. And even though some Stated her feelings and expectations right from the start, uh, we still have that kind of anger, or at least I. I'm saying we as if everybody felt this way. I have no idea if everybody <laughs> felt the way or not. But me and everyone I knew who watched this movie originally. Lucas, as a male in your same
0: demographic, whenever that movie came out, that is how I felt too.
1: Yeah. I will admit. And yeah, and um I think when I first saw this movie. I felt as if Tom had been betrayed, and that Summer was heartless. And especially when it turns out that at the end of the movie—by the way, I'm a hundred percent spoiling this movie for anybody who has not seen it—but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I felt like it—it it was super heartless. And when when she, when it turns out that she does fall in love at the end, and we find out that Tom, it just wasn't that Tom was actually right in that true love is real. It's just not the not the two of them, <laughs> and I was crushed um and eventually i watched this movie right when it came out um and i've watched it a couple times since then but it it took me a couple times watching it to realize oh tom is the idiot tom is <laughs> yeah T- tom is technically the bad guy in this movie even though he's the main character he's the guy who you know in this relationship kind of forced his expectations on her um and came out of it hurt yet willing to jump right back in and do the same thing at the end so
2: yeah so lucas how did you feel about that ending versus the first time you watched it versus now like what did you think that the, ending meant when the first yeah, time so and the, now
1: yeah so at, at the end he meets another girl autumn He he's fine he kind of moves on and is finally over her and meets autumn and when when i first met it, or watched the movie i saw it as okay, this is the one (laughs) he's done it. He's found it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And, and now I see it as he's willing to jump back in and do the exact same thing. He, he just did. (laughs) Right.
2: That like, yeah, I, I am exactly the same way. The first time I saw it, I thought like, oh, he's still hopeful for love. Like, he's this isn't right. going to tear him down, right. his heartbreak. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, no, this idiot's going to project all <laughs> yeah. the same fantasies he had on Summer onto yep. a brand new victim. Um, yep. <laughs>
0: yeah, and the name Autumn takes on a whole different meaning that way. It's just like you're doing the same thing again in a different time of the year. Yeah, so... Like, whereas before it was like moving on into a, a new... Th- yeah, it's that movie was it's such a a a growing up piece like the perspective that you take in seeing that film because Mm -hmm. he didn't respect he didn't listen to her or respect her or any of these things that would be like yeah you're an adult we're both adults you stated your intentions plainly and rather than respect those and hear those i decided to ignore them and project everything and then be upset whenever you do something other than what you explicitly told me you were going to do yeah it's (laughs) it's incredible i totally resonate with that how about you god there were a couple um so in the kind of relationship vein um and just to since yours wasn't terribly far back either um the first one that one of the ones that came to mind was the movie blue valentine um Mm. it's one of those movies that uh I think there's just, like, phase in life things that I really understand differently depending on my phase in life. So, like, before I was married, I understood... I thought Blue Valentine was very, like, you know, those people aren't right for each other and they're, you know... This is a very, like, heartbreaking, dark, bleak thing. And there definitely is bleakness. There definitely is heartbreak. All those things are still in there. But I think when you see a movie... And this is just one example. There's are several other examples. Um... Like this after you know going through really uh, uh, hard times and very uh, adult committed relationship coupley things, it's like, oh, they are really trying hard, or like you can see um, what uh, they're doing wrong or what they should do. I mean, it just it's a different perspective whenever it's something that, um, for me, whenever it's been something that I could uh, put myself in in those roles, and so. Um, that was just one that came to mind. But movies in general where um, couples are going through, like, a difficult time or, like, going through something really positive or something, like, it just, it felt, it feels different um, now than it did in 2010 before I was married. Um, but the other broader thing that I uh, I really liked as kind of a, a way to think about movies was um, thinking about movies that take place that are told from a child's perspective um mm-hmm. movies like uh E.T. or Pete's Dragon or like all of these movies mm-hmm. where it's like it starts off as a kid and whenever you see those movies as a kid for the first time you kind of see everything the way that the protagonist is spelling it out and you see it from that perspective but whenever you or whenever I have gotten older it's been really interesting to see those child characters as children which is not something that you know to look at a child as something other than what you are and right. like start to relate to things more from uh an adult's perspective or like the way that i always joked about this is like oh it's weird that i relate to the parents instead of the kids now in movies <laughs> like that's just totally different and the, um again this is only a, a, a sample of it but the movie to kill a mockingbird um, yeah. has been one of my favorite movies for, I mean, as long as I can remember. Um, but whenever I was a lot younger, I really liked it because I could re- um, relate to the kids, and I loved the uh, fun yeah. they were having, and I could understand on some level kind of the moral lesson that was being taught, whereas now I I understand the a little bit better more of the nuance that's going on there with some of the, like, oh, there's a little bit of white savior stuff going on here that probably isn't great, but there still is some positive stuff that you can try and take from this movie and from this story. Um And, uh, but the things that strike me most about To Kill a Mockingbird now and make me appreciate it more is um, the character of Boo Radley and especially, uh, but the character of um, Atticus Finch and of all the townspeople, like just all the adults in this situation um, really seeing them as whole people, not just as like the god figures that you see adults as whenever you're young, makes this movie so much richer and makes the story so much richer. Um, especially the story of Boo Radley, as I said, just thinking of someone who's a shut-in and a social outcast and all the things that he goes through um, in his life and in the plot of this story. It just, I mean, it's it makes the people... Uh, remarkable In a way that you can't notice whenever you're younger So yeah. um, I feel like I've uh, Talked more than my fair share But movies where you're a, a, <laughs> Like can see it as a kid and then see it again as an adult Are really great whenever they Hold up and are even more rich for the For the
1: time Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that Disney movies mm-hmm. Did really well was making um, a, Mainly With the dialogue but just making it So that kids could understand it and The story flowed well, but there was still a lot there for adults because I feel like, especially with kids' movie, kids are watching it with adults. Yeah. Adults are always there. (laughs) Kids Um, don't have money. Exactly. So (laughs) putting something in there that you can enjoy as an adult and actually have fun at that movie, but it's awesome as a kid to grow up and find new things in these movies that you didn't understand or didn't remember um, that speak to you in different ways. That's just really cool.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that if I had seen Inside Out as a kid, then, you know, 15 years later, I'd have been like, holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> what was going on that I didn't even know.
1: Right, right.
0: Not to say that that won't happen 15 years from now, seeing it in my mid-20s, and then later, you know, if I have a kid or whatever it is, but just, like, movies, yeah, you're so right, Disney does that really, really well. Were there any other movies um, that you guys thought of, or, like, TV shows, or music, or anything? that?
2: Well. There, there's one other thing that I've thought of, and I kind of have already talked about this on the podcast before, is um, when I recommended weeks ago the Keeping at 1600 podcast. I mentioned mm-hmm. about how I grew up with my dad listening to talk radio about politics, and how how I don't think I hated anything more in the world than Agreed. like yeah. men Agreed. talking about <laughs> politics on the radio, and. Yep. While I would say the stuff I listen to is very different than the stuff that I was subject to growing up, um, <laughs> I now spend a lot of time listening to people talk about politics in an audio format, and um, and it's something that I really en- not enjoy is a strong word, because there's not much about this election cycle that has been, I would say, enjoyable, enjoyable yeah. but um, I appreciate it very much now.
1: It's true. I I thought the exact same thing this week because after the the debate on last Monday, um, I my first thought was I can't wait to listen to certain podcasts talk about this. Right. And as soon as they came yeah. out, I stopped everything else to listen to them. And I thought this is something that I grew up doing. My 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 dad in the car listening to <laughs> talk radio, and here I am so excited about listening to talk <laughs> radio. It's, so-
2: <laughs> it's a bizarre feeling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah, I oh, man. I definitely made, like, as a kid, you know, you make those promises to yourself. When I'm a parent, yep. I'm never going to make my kids, <laughs> or I'm never going to. And that was, like, number one at the top of the list. It was like, <laughs> when I grow up, I'm never going to have to listen to talk radio ever again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, how far we've fallen. Yeah. <laughs> That's the or thing. how
1: far we've climbed. How fa- yeah, That's exactly. True. I that mean, too.
0: Yeah. When you a lot of times I'm like, oh man, what would my twelve year old self think of me now? And like in some ways I'd be disappointed, but like in some ways you want to disappoint a twelve year old. Like
2: (laughs) that's the tagline for our podcast, or no. (laughs) In some ways you want to disappoint a twelve year old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. If I lived up to my twelve my twelve year old's vision of myself, I would be a terrible person. So Uh, I would be
2: a very boring person.
1: So I would. I'd have a terrible
2: life. <laughs>
0: I would have false teeth after eating nothing but Lucky Charms and never brushing my teeth before bed. There you go. So, there
1: you go. What we've learned is your parents are right. Do everything your parents say. <laughs> Just kidding. Definitely don't. <laughs> no. Definitely
0: don't. Otherwise, you don't get to see The Godfather with your, when you're nine. That's- and boom, Then exactly. what are you going <laughs> to All right. So, well, now that we have our byline, I think it's uh, time for us to wrap it up. Um Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. We are so glad to have you. Um, tell your friends. We'd love to have more people uh, listening and, and part of the conversation. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, please feel free to follow us or tweet us at Feeling It Pod. Let us know um, what
2: shows or movies or pieces of entertainment you've liked more when you've gotten old as you've gotten older. We love to hear people's answers to these kind of conversation questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What are some things that we should revisit? Um and if you would leave us a review on iTunes that helps us get more visibility. We would appreciate that very, very much. Um and beyond that, we are all friendly people and love to talk to people on the interwebs. So uh I mean except Lucas. So if you No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh we would any of us would love to hear from you um or you know uh to have you follow us if you're interested in um what our takes are on current pop culture things or other things in general. So Sandra, where can people find more of you on the internet?
2: You can find me on pretty much all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. But definitely go follow me on Instagram because I'm really having fun with the stories feature. You can see if you follow me, nope, it'll be expired. Never mind. That's, the, <laughs> that's how her social media goes nowadays. But you should go follow me so you don't miss out on things that will eventually expire.
1: And I am Lucas Wright. I hate social media, but you can find me on all of the social media <laughs> at LucasAndStuff. He's and stuff. lying.
2: I'll be... He loves Twitter. Don't let him tell I, you otherwise.
1: <laughs> I do love Twitter, and I would say I'm okay at Instagram until they changed everything. I sound like an eight year old <laughs> man right now. Really but... Twitter and Instagram, those are my go-tos. I'll probably be talking about Luke Cage this week because that is what I am watching now.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to watch that. Well, my name is Lawson. You can find me at Lawson West on uh, Twitter and the Instagrams. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you so much.
2: Adios.
0: Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go
1: away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? yes yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it, that's our show for tonight, people.